It's all things MMA. My name is Ken McGuire, joined on screen as always by... Oh no, it's this guy. Oh, it's my my camera's backwards in a different location. It's my proper... No, 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 no excuse. Right you messed it up. You messed know, it up. I'm sorry. I'm joined on That's screen. That's 2-1 to me. Oh, <laughs> fine, we're playing that game now, really. Uh, Miles a, Price of Team Miles is there. <laughs> Good competition. Yeah. Uh, we're talking all things uh, mixed martial arts, and uh, this week we're taking a look at uh, the aftermath of UFC 280. Which, um, judging by the the message that I sent you yesterday, uh, before sitting down to record this morning, we barely got a single prediction right out of the whole card. Yeah. It was just that kind of a result. Mm. Um, you you yeah. mentioned uh, you mentioned an interesting an interesting point there. You you actually managed to watch the entire card. Yeah, I, I, it's the first time in a while that uh, I think the UFC, like it's only really this side of the pond anyway, uh, you get to watch UFCs right the way through. Is like UFC London or some other UFC event in somewhere in Europe or if it's in Abu Dhabi. So, but usually the big, big cards are in Abu Dhabi. So it was, it was really nice to be able to just start watching the UFC at like four or five and just watch all the way through i haven't done that in a long time so uh yeah it was enjoyable i'm sure many other many others enjoyed it as well oh, i'd say so as soon as you, you get an afternoon and an evening of fights and then you realize that you still have time in your day before you need to go to bed or go anywhere else it's amazing um yeah we so last week we had focused on on the on the, the the top three fights, we'll say so. We had the um, the the bantamweight fight, which was kind of being touted as a as a possible uh, next in line for the title shot side of things between um, uh, Sean O'Malley and Peter Yan, and then we had the bantamweight title fight between Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw, and then we had the lightweight title fight between uh, Machikov and uh, Charles Oliveira. So yeah. be, before kind of scouting the, the the rest of the card and anything else that might have caught you right, let's let's go to let's go to O'Malley and Yan, um, because this this was a fight that we probably thought in in well in in hindsight now you probably think that you know O'Malley could have gotten beat out the gate, uh, and it didn't happen. Uh, very, you know, you were very complimentary of Yan's uh, fight IQ kind of expecting a dominant performance uh, from him yeah. against O'Malley, that O'Malley was, he was getting somebody finally top 15, top 10. I mean, Yan is number one contender as it is. Uh, and then we get a, we get a result that sends the decision um, O'Malley's way. Now, a lot of judging had come in for, for criticism up to that point in the night. And then again, for, for that fight as well, take that out of the, take that out of the equation, the judging side of things. Um, Break it down for me and, and, and give me your your reaction to this one. Uh, I, I think my reaction is probably the same as most others. I, I, I would have I would have assumed I don't I haven't really heard. I've only heard of one or two that gave it to O'Malley, you know, but I mean it's pretty obvious that it was a political decision. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't have said that there was a close fight at all, you know. Mm. I would have said that O'Malley showed his worth to be in like the top five and he definitely surprised me a bit in regards to his uh, ability to, to put it up to somebody at that caliber. But did he win the fight? Most definitely not. No, he didn't. Like, and I think many others thought that as well. You know, it's, it's one of those, uh, 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 this quote that Dana White comes out with, is just like, so it just doesn't really take much responsibility for the fact that judging should be a little bit more, on point because mm. uh you know 
oh, don't leave it in the judge's hands. That's just American employee to really get like uh, guys to knock each other out so you make more money from entertainment value. Like, okay, fair enough. Like, but like the fact of the matter is, is that decisions happen in MMA all the time. And if the judges aren't doing their job correctly, then you're talking about people's livelihoods. Peter Yan now, his capital has gone way, way down and he has to build himself. He probably has to have two or three more fights to build himself back up to that title. So it's no joke, like, you know, like it's just what you see on television. But the fact of the matter is, is that he has to go through, you know, the, the, the pain of a failure, the adaptation of a failure. Then he has to work his way up back a ladder again with a fight that he shouldn't have to. He should, he should be fighting for the title next. Like it's a pure political decision in my opinion. And, uh, the judges completely got it wrong. If it's political, do people, and knowing that obviously the, so if, you know, who's listening to this, it's after UFC 280, we know that Aljamain Sterling has beaten TJ Dillashaw as well. If it's a political side of things, do we, do we think or do we buy into the notion that the fight that people really want to see is Sean O'Malley and Aljamain Sterling? Yeah, because they've seen Peter Yan twice. Like, I really don't believe in uh, in in coincidences, and I don't like making any assumptions. What's that? Uh, what's that quote? What's uh, if assumptions aren't if assumptions aren't challenged, then what is doctrine today will be dogma tomorrow. And I think that's really important. You know, you can't just assume like that. That's just the way it is with that decision. Like, like, uh, like I'd like to challenge that assumption personally and go ahead and say it's not a fucking coincidence. Like, you know what I mean? Excuse my French. You know, it's like, it's like Peter Yan has fought O'Malley twice. O'Malley is like the, the, the Conor McGregor in the UFC at the moment. It's a, it's a biased decision. Like it's that simple. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, something more devious going on behind that decision. Like anybody that scored that for O'Malley doesn't know anything about martial arts. In my opinion, I just feel like that, you know, if you really break it down correctly, there's no way he would have won that fight. Is there much in terms of positives that you can take away from O'Malley's performance other than like the one that I see is like, regardless of the result. And if O'Malley had lost, I think it, it was a case where O'Malley has shown at, at this stage that he can hang with at least one of, one of the best fighters in the division, whatever about the rest of them. Um, any positives mm. or any positives or any compliments that you put his way? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's very, I'm being very pessimistic towards, uh, Sean O'Malley here. It sounds like it anyway, but truly I'm actually, I actually am more talking about the actual decision and, and the quality of judging within the sport. Sean O'Malley did an amazing job. I mean, he's not my particular type of character in regards to representation for the sport, but his skills are very good. Like, I mean, he was, he was, his, his precision, his crisp striking was lovely. He was even doing a quite a good job of making some sort of an attempt on threatening Peter Yang from his back, you know, like he was throwing up submissions and stuff like that. So it's not like it was a complete, like absolute robbery, but it was a robbery. Like, I mean, like, look, when, People are, are are turning to, it's going from one extreme to the next, you know. It's like one second, yeah, we, we, we can't judge fights off just guys holding guys on top and doing nothing and riding out wins. But it's still part of the sport now. It's engraved into mm-hmm. the ideology of who is the aggressor within a mixed martial arts contest. So if Jan is on top and he got the takedown and he established top position, 
that's him in the aggressive position. If O'Malley is throwing up submissions and Yan is equally throwing punches on top, then Yan is winning that battle. I don't care if you're flaring your legs up and you're getting submissions left, right and centre. If he got the takedown and he's throwing as much punches as you're, as you're threatening, he wins that. Statistically, he wins that that exchange. And that's what happened. And that's throughout the three rounds. Like I didn't give any round to O'Malley, really, you know? Interesting. Uh, well, the, the Bantamweight rankings as they stand uh, have Sean O'Malley having leapt 10 places in the rankings. So according at least to the official UFC rankings, Sean O'Malley is now the number one <laughs> wow. contender. Wow, if, 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 if that's not another red flag... <laughs> Yeah, it, it literally knocks everybody down the list. Peter Yan drops to two. No, man. Uh, if that's not yeah. if that's not a fucking red flag, I'm sorry, look. <laughs> I, I know, I know. This is this is the way the game has gone. I, I don't know if there was a little bit of backpedaling after the yeah. after the fight. It seemed like okay, well, you know what? Henry Cejudo was waiting in the wings over here. We know that Volkanovski is gonna be next for Islam. Um whether Cejudo comes back and goes, do you know what? I'll I'll give Sterling a rattle, and now that would be a I would hazard a fairly good test uh, for Aljamain Sterling, uh, which throws us into um, the co-main event for the night was the bantamweight title fight between Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. We had both figured TJ Dillashaw for the win, and then TJ <laughs> against Henry or TJ against Volkanovski or TJ against Jan uh, for the title. Uh, and again, we got this one yeah. entirely wrong because TJ Dillashaw neglected to tell the world <laughs> that he had been carrying a fairly mouldy uh, shoulder injury for the entire of his training camp, yeah. which is the reason that the, the fight had been delayed in the first place in his post-match interview or post-fight interview. Uh, he says that it, it popped out, uh, you know, the guts of maybe 20 times. Uh, and went out very early in the first round. We saw it get massaged back into place in the second round. Um, and he had told Mark Goddard, yeah. it's like, if you see me doing this, this is what happened. You got to let me go out on my shield here. That's got to be it. That's got to be a tough one for TJ Dillashaw. You you talk all that talk and you, you know, you, you, you serve your time and you look to come back and you get yourself into the, the title mix fairly swiftish you get this injury and you're like, I I just, I, I still have to go out and fight. There's still a chance that I'll be able to do something, but I'm, I'm very heavily, uh, handicapped here by the, mm. the loss of the use of his arm effectively. Um, what, talk me through this one. Yeah, I think definitely. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of does, it's kind of what, exactly what you said really like you know I mean he just did what most athletes do you know like he, he's not going to lose the opportunity so he'd rather grow with an injury and and like going against the odds a little bit in order to like take his chances and you know as much as TJ gets like a gets a bad rep for being the way he is personality wise he still had enough integrity to apologize to the bantamweight division after in the post-fight interview, which I thought was really respectful of him, you know? And, uh, I'm, I'm sure that kind of like spread out, uh, a lot of understanding to even a lot of other MMA athletes to go through that a lot, you know, that they go into fight with some sort of preconditions, uh, that aren't like helping the progress of the match, like an injury, you know? Uh, so 
I, I had a lot of respect for him for that. I thought that I thought that TJ was probably going to win the fight. I thought anyway, uh, but to go in with an injury like that against somebody like Sterling, I don't know if it would have ended up any different if I was being honest with you. I think I could have been completely wrong with the with the really? with the with the prediction. Yeah, I think that Sterling could actually be coming into his own at the moment. You know, yeah, like I mean, yeah, whatever about the the the, the shoulder fine but like i mean he just looked huge compared to tj he did, he did look and very he, big yeah he looked massive and he's do you know like i didn't think he was that big till i saw him against tj and i was like wow like he is big for the division and look if he's taken down yan and taken yan's back and holding him there i mean his wrestling and jiu-jitsu is very good like like whatever about with striking, I think that's where he blows his gasket a little mm-hmm. bit is when he gets a little bit uh, trigger happy and emotional in the striking department and he just loses a lot of energy. But in regards to his grappling, man, I mean, he it looks like he's just coming into his own. Who knows if uh, TJ would have done... I think TJ would have done better, but I still think he might have actually lost that match, to be honest, like, you know. So is, is in that vein of discussion... Are people not giving Aljamain Sterling enough credit? Like his wrestling game looked quite strong. Yeah, I don't think people are giving him enough credit, to be honest with you. I think he's a lot better than what people give him credit for, yeah. Definitely. So, let's say that the matchups happen the way that they're supposed to happen. And then we get Aljamain Mm -hmm. Sterling and we get Sean O'Malley. And that's our next title fight. Probably not going to happen for somewhere between four and six months. I would say you know, February, March next year. Yeah, so before we move on to that, right, what's your thoughts on Dana White even mentioning Henry Cejudo? Do you think that's a decoy oh, to take I, to take everybody off the scent off the scent of the fast tracking of Sean O'Malley? It, it could be. Um, it could be. Mm. Uh, I would imagine if I would imagine if Cejudo makes a, a return in there somewhere that he has enough um he'd probably piss off the rest of the division because they're all fairly hungry but he has enough credit in the bank we'll say Credentials, uh, um you know to to put himself into a, into the title frame fairly swiftish like the talk had been Sahuda would come back and Sahuda would be the next option for Alexander Volkanovsky at uh lightweight sorry at featherweight which is a, mm. which is a possibility also uh like if you have so Volkanovsky we know is now going to be next in line for a crack at uh Islam Machikev wherever that happens Islam was talking about going to Australia and making that happen at some point next year maybe it will um but for for Volkanovsky to do that so Volkanovsky's got nothing to lose by stepping up he's got he's got a lightweight title to gain and he's he's quite happy to to mm. have a stab at it um, but if he doesn't, mm. it's like the, you know, we've seen Max do it, we've seen uh, Dustin do it, we've seen a couple of others do it, we saw uh, Adesanya do it. You make the step up, you get a crack at the next title that's above you, you miss out on it, you go back and you're back into defending your title. There's nothing to say that we won't see Cejudo and Volkanovski fight for the featherweight title. Um, mm. I don't like, I think we're a very long way off seeing Sterling and Volkanovski fight for the featherweight title 
145, even though he is looking quite big and could probably spend a bit more time in there. Give him a year or two, he might be done and dusted with the with the bantamweight side of things altogether. Uh, but for Cejudo mm. to come back, I'm not. I'm not sure. Could be a could be a very good decoy. Could be that kind of kite flying thing to see. Well, what's the fans' appetite for seeing Henry Cejudo come back? Are they just happy to hear him kind of like McGregor shouting from the sidelines uh, and doing his thing? And look at me, I've got my medals and I've got my belts and I'm I'm over here, yada, yada, yada. Um, it, it would be, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to deny him the opportunity to come back. Whether that's the fight to make, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, there's a little bit kind of later on with... Uh, with John Jones and and the possibility of him taking on Stipe in December, you know when you've when you've got people yeah. that are coming back into the fold that have been away. I'm all I'm all in favor of keeping things active and keeping things going within the you know the circle of fighters that are that are there and that are competing. Um, but if mm. if 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 like you're saying things are political or things are financially driven, which we imagine that a lot of these things are. Um, then yeah, Cejudo may very well become part of that conversation. Do you feel like you'd rather, here's a question for you, right? Okay. Do you feel like you'd, you'd rather the system that the UFC use where there's no, it's kind of more of a chaotic structure in regards to marketing, like say the McGregor's and the O'Malley's Mm. who, because of their bravado and their, their, their smack talk tactics, the heel, you could say, within the organizations, they can fast track a lot faster than the guys that are working their way up, the humble guys that are working with their way up the ladder. Mm-hmm. From, a, from a spectator's point of view, clearly, clearly just a, a, a kind of a outside perspective thing, you know, is it more entertaining to have the chaotic structure of the UFC or to go back to the traditional seven beats eight or eight beats seven eight is now seven seven beats six six is now six and then work your way up the ladder 100 percent from a spectator's point of view the chaos will do yeah it, it is. I, I think i think the chaos will yeah. do it at the upper end and when you get to your your prelims and your and your you know when when cards are being structured for events armchair supporters are probably going to be like Pay-per-view, 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 pay-per-view. What's going to sell pay-per-views? The chaos. The chaos and the showmanship and the circus and all of those kind of things. The the Apex cards and the fight night cards and the stuff behind closed doors. Not so much. Like it's, it's like old school kind of wrestling. You know, you had, you know, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, uh, Hell in the Cell, all these big kind of pay-per-views that ran across the year. And when you're going through kind of school and nights out and everything else, people know what's happening with the pay-per-view stuff. People are, you know, they're not too worried about what happens on Raw on a Monday night or SmackDown on a Thursday night or whatever night that aired. And the progress that people make in order to get themselves to the big ones. They just see the big ones and go, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And and at the end of it, if you've got you know, investors to to cover and shareholders to cover and pay-per-view boys to drive up and TV deals to fulfill, they're not going to be overly enamored with the Ricky Simone and, and Frankie Edgar main event at what should be your biggest pay-per-view of the year. They want to see the chaos that goes along with things mm. and, and create a, a create a narrative out of that chaos. 
um but yeah i think i think it's and that's you know maybe that's that's just where we're that's just where we're living you 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 take it on the other side and you take the you take it from a, a competitor's side and from an athlete's side and from a coach's side of things and absolutely you would rather see that seven beat six and become six and six beat five and becomes five and you move up and you know that I keep doing the things that I'm doing right and I will get my place at the top. And then when it's my turn, it's my turn. And then the next guys that are coming up, they'll come up. Um, But where we are at the moment is very much that, you know, money talks and TV boys talk and personalities talk. And if somebody has Mm. the skill set to back it up, um, all the better again. And maybe that's, maybe that's where it is with O'Malley. Maybe it's like he's, you know, he's got the hype and he's got the smack talk and stuff to go along with it there's a bit of a humble side in there that's starting to kind of get shown out. Um, it's great to see. And if you get, uh, if you get oh, the, the, the words, the words for it, it's like if, if he can back it up and maybe, maybe the fight against Jan was the one that goes, okay, we can see that he's able to back things up to an extent. Now let's get him into a, let's get him into a championship uh, a championship mm. matchup against Sterling. I don't know. Sterling could do what he did with, with Dillashaw and go, actually, do you know what? Wrestling game is quite big. Size advantage is definitely there. Work on the striking, which he'd need against O'Malley. Um, but I would imagine if you get Sterling and O'Malley together, uh, it, it becomes very wrestling heavy and Sterling mm. will impose himself on O'Malley in that regard. Cejudo would have it as well you know yeah. wrestler versus wrestler in that kind of regard might be a bit more uh might be a bit more entertaining from a from a a purist's point of view um mm. but i don't there's, there's a lot there's a lot there's an awful lot of play i think chaos is, is going to reign supreme for a while though that was a good answer ken that was a good answer Thanks, I've been working on my answers. <laughs> Have you got a script in front of you? No. Yeah, give me an in answer to this one so we can so we can wrap it up. Um, okay. We had head versus Go. heart for Islam Machikev <laughs> and uh, yeah. and Charles Oliveira, and it didn't. Yeah. Uh, my heart was my heart was a bit sore after that one. Uh, <laughs> Same, mine, mine was too. Mine was too, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, and especially, especially for Oliveira, and especially for the manner uh, we saw, we saw the submission attempt, and it went in. This was the the head and arm choke, or the the arm triangle, uh, and it yeah. went in, and it was very quick, and I felt yes, I, I felt very, uh, I felt very sorry for for Charles Oliveira in that moment. Yeah. Um because yeah. now Chaos gets a chance to reign supreme again. I don't know if yeah. I don't know if Charles Oliveira and Islam Mashikev <laughs> are going to be the fight to make. Um no, if if it no, if, it, if it comes around. Like you've got uh so we know that Alexander Volkanovsky is supposedly next in line um for Islam. Uh, Islam wow. has, has the the win has put himself into uh number three in the UFC's overall pound for pound rankings after that one behind Volkanovsky and Adesanya. Uh um, yeah, I think he deserves that, yeah. Like for for Islam, uh Charles would be number one contender, you would imagine at this stage. Dustin Poirier is still knocking mm. around. Uh just our Dustin Poirier, uh Justin Gaethje. 
Benil Dariush. Now, Benil had a good win at the weekend as well. Uh, he did, didn't he? He did, wasn't he? Excuse me, all in like crazy this morning. The, uh, the only thing I will say is, though, is <laughs> I listened to like an interview on this, uh, an MMA fighting clip, I think I came across on YouTube. And uh, it is so right, you know what I mean? Like, number one, by the way, just backtracking a bit, you are totally right. The, in regards to chaos, chaos sells, you know. But it's like it's like the it's like the debate on capitalism, isn't it? It's not like anybody's saying get rid of capitalism. It's saying we need to regulate capitalism so it doesn't get out of fucking control. It's like it's the same with the fight the fight fight ranks. Chaos makes chaos makes sense because chaos sells, and that's yeah. never going to change. But what can change is the regulation of the chaos. As opposed to O'Malley jumping up ten spots, he should have jumped up three. Do you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's, there should be a there should be a happy medium. Yes, chaos sells. Yes, we should not get rid of that. That's facts. You know, the, but we haven't got a we haven't got a steady we haven't got any filtration system to keep it in order, somewhat in order. There can't be too much order. There can't be too much chaos. It has to be in the middle a little bit. You know. But anyway, moving on. What what was the next thing we we're talking about there? Sorry, uh, Charles Oliveira it. and Islam Mashikov. So what happens? What happens next? So we've got ourselves a new. Uh, we've got ourselves a new lightweight champion. There was a, a somewhat of an air of inevitability around it. Um, absolute heartbreak yeah. for for Charles Oliveira. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if Oliveira and Islam is going to be the fight to make <laughs> after uh, Volkanovski. No, and I feel like that uh, you're dead right there for sure. I just thought, like I don't even like you know I don't know if you get this. Uh, it's it's almost heartbreaking to to think of that in the sense of even I wouldn't feel like it's an exciting thing to watch next, you know. Yeah. And, and even though I know it's probably the right fight to make morally, you know, yes, yeah. but it's just not exciting. Like, and when you mentioned Benil and actually the interview, I was looking at the clip. They were talking about this, and this is where the chaos does make sense. Benil's post-fight speech was all about God and this and that, yeah. which is great. You know what I mean? Like if that's what your beliefs are, super, whatever gives you power, whatever gives you contentment within your life, whatever you believe in, you know, it's important to have faith in something, you know, but the it's so not appealing. Like the, what Habib did, like Islam is the, has no personality. Like really, like I know because I've met him in person. Like he just, he's just not that type of guy. He's not going to be a slick guy on the mic. But what he does have is Habib right beside him every mm-hmm. second of the way. And he took the mic and he did the talking. And Islam just did the nodding. And he went along with whatever Habib said. And Habib said exactly the right things. We'll go to your backyard. We'll take the title. We're going for that pound for pound spot right now. And Benil is like, I believe in God. I love God. Give me anybody. Who are you going to give the, fight, the title fight to? Mm-hmm. If Benil had have just spoken up and said, I want to fight for the title. Let's go. You know what I mean? And has said, and had some sort of script. Like Michael Chandler is doing it really well. Like his post-fight interviews are epic at the moment, I feel. You know? And they are though. Like he's like, he totally has them cri- scripted. 
but they but they sound so good like you yeah. know they like so they actually they gave me the, the last one they did gave me like a little shiver up my spine i was like wow you put a lot of time <laughs> and effort into that speech and you can really he, he, you can really, he was really articulate with it you yeah, know he did he's 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 turning he's turning out his post-fight interviews like those old school wrestling promos you know, it's where, where Hulk Hogan yeah. is calling out the Ultimate Warrior and Randy mm. Savage is calling out the Undertaker, and it's all of this kind of talk. Yeah, but it works really well for Chandler. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I feel that Volk. Yes, I feel very disappointed for Oliveira because I love Oliveira, like morally and from uh, as a person as a fighter to fighter but also as a spectator he's great to watch it you just want like he was the underdog like he came up through so resilient throughout his career in the UFC all those losses to to rebel back and go on the winning streak that he did like I mean he's the fuck he's, he's the story that everybody wants to hear that everybody has a chance to come back and make something better of yourself you know so I love that and I'm disappointed for him but Islam versus Volkanovsky just feels right it's, it's it's gotten me excited, you know. When I when 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 that when that face off happened in the cage, you could see Habib smirking behind him. He was like, you know, this is working out just perfect because <laughs> Vol- Volkanovsky, in my opinion, you know, I'm look, all I'm just saying, it's going to be a walkover. Islam is going to destroy Volkanovsky, in my humble opinion. Yeah, i I don't think you're I don't think you're far off the mark. I I think it's, I just think size is just. What What would you do? And again, this is coming off the back of social commentary at the weekend. In terms mm. of in terms of this champ champ notion, and now all the, <laughs> and now all the talk has turned this week to oh McGregor needs another six months of testing, or that he has to test for six months. Now they didn't say that he hasn't tested, and they didn't say when this six months has to start before he can get back into competition. So the six months could have started and could have ended. The six months could be starting tomorrow. And then he's back in uh, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Uh, and then uh, he's he's available. And we're talking about chaos and we're talking about narrative and we're talking about all these other things that you say Islam goes out and it's a walkover against Volkanovsky. And Islam, oh, he'll is, get McGregor. and Islam is the new featherweight. Uh, uh, oh, no, Islam is the Oh, it's only for the lightweight title. It's not for the featherweight title, obviously. You know? Yeah. Uh, Islam is the new lightweight title. Okay, well, that destroys my... Um, that absolutely destroys the narrative that I was going for. Uh, right, right, right there <laughs> McGregor's never going to fight again at featherweight. Uh, I don't know. Hazard, he we're putting this, again we're this part out of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this part is gone. Forget it ever happened. But as narrative <laughs> and as chaos goes, Islam goes and, and bulldozes uh, Volkanovsky. And then you're mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, hello. Uh, you know... McGregor is over here waiting in the wings um, with, you know, leaping over everybody to come back in because that's the fight that people want to see. And that's the, that ties the whole McGregor Khabib thing, you know, up in knots and McGregor and Islam up in knots. Do you really think though that McGregor, like I can totally, I I have no, I, I, I really have of the opinion that I am, Whatever McGregor wants, I think McGregor can get within the UFC. I have no doubt that it's a high possibility that he'd get that fight. But is it really as appealing as it should be? See, this is the question the UFC is going to ask. Not at all, because I'd imagine that Islam would roll over McGregor as well. 
Sorry? I'd imagine that Islam would roll over McGregor as well. Oh, he'd absolutely annihilate him. But the, the thing is, the, 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 the question is, is from the UFC's perspective, because like Connor's like a wild alley cat. You just, you don't, he's so unpredictable, you know what I mean? So it's like the UFC are going to go, is McGregor past it? And if so, will we just throw him in? If they're throwing him in, then the UFC have lost their faith in McGregor's abilities because they're just going to throw him in, milk him for the pay-per-views and his career is going further and further down the swanny. So by McGregor getting a title shot without any reason to get one Mm. shows the value that the UFC still have on him, which basically means not much because they just want to milk him for as many pay-per-views as they can before he gets washed up. But but that that follows on, sorry, that follows on with the same the same reckoning of, uh, I think anyway, the same reckoning of we haven't seen Cejudo in an age, so throw him into a title fight. We haven't seen John Jones in an age, so throw him into a title fight. Purely on a pay-per-views basis uh, than anything else. Yeah. They're not doing that with John Jones, though. They're no, throwing no, him in they'll, against Stipe. They'll give him, they'll give but him Stipe. Maybe. But if Stipe is, like Stipe hasn't fought in 18 months either. Uh, and if the, That's a good if fight. The, That's a good fight for Jones. If the Nganu fight... Uh, or you know, Francis Ngannou, you'd imagine needs a needs a fight as well. If Steve is an on runner, then it's like okay, well let's let's do Jones and Ngannou. Yeah, I think that the UFC would most definitely do that without any question. Like they they just throw uh, anybody with the status that those guys have. I don't know if you could put they're in the same category: Jones, Cejudo, McGregor. With McGregor and Jones being the extreme versions that mm. probably firmly believe their their ideologies, whereas and I think Cejudo doesn't really believe. Uh, I think he's just using healthy narcissism to portray his ego to make more capital, uh, which is himself. He is his own capital. Uh, same way Chael Sonnen did. Like Chael Sonnen yeah. is the same. Like same way Ben. Like Ben Askren, Chael Sonnen, Henry Cejudo. I feel like they're in different categories than the than to the the Covingtons, McGregor's, the Joneses. I think that they actually believe their shit. I think that Askren, Cejudo, Sonnen, they are just doing it for fun, and they have a healthy kind of like uh, detachment from from that ego. Mm. So I I do feel like though I was separating in speaking in saying that I do feel like that. McGregor out of the although well mainly Cejudo and Jones because they're active he is probably going to be the faster guy to get washed up per se than Cejudo and Jones I feel like Cejudo and Jones if they got thrown into a title fight they probably do well they probably do well I think if you throw McGregor in without a tune-up fight he will not do well at all I think that his his confidence needs to be built up again. I feel like that he has a high self esteem, but his confidence is at an all time low because of his uh, because of his last few fights. Yeah. You know, like I, I and I, I feel like that the UFC do need to give him a tune up fight to build his confidence because uh, it'll never match his self esteem, but, <laughs> but the, the, <laughs> at least it'll be closer to it. You know, the funny thing for it is like if you give him a tune up fight, then is the tune up fight 
a main event on a pay per view, like a, a non title yeah. a non title main event. Yeah, then, like a Cerrone fight. But then the tune up fight has to be pretty, pretty good caliber. Because uh, otherwise, otherwise you're literally just seeing it as this is just a tune up fight for McGregor. And then if he loses yeah. that fight, like I don't think he was ever going to lose the cowboy fight at all. No, that thing was no. that well, thing was do, one do before know, the bell rang. Who do you feel like is a good fight for him then? Who do you feel like is a good tune up fight if you had to bring him back into the mix? Oh Christ! Uh, I I have a funny feeling anyway of somebody. But or, go on, you go first. RDA. Not marketable too, enough, I think. Too high. And I think actually, I think he's too good as well. Actually, I think he's too good. Tony Ferguson. Loser means time. Uh, I think that wouldn't be good for Connor's image. Well, are you, are you talking like top ten, or it's it's got to be somebody you would imagine top ten? Yeah, I I think a really good matchup, and not because I don't think he's good skill wise, because Connor always does well against these guys. Always, Michael Chandler, great fight for him, great fight. High caliber, small, swings. So he's really short and really small for the division. Like Connor just slips back, pops the left, slips back, pops the left. Anybody that's short and trigger happy, Connor does really well against. That that's pretty valid. Yeah. Actually, that's mm. that's not that's not too bad. And and we know that Chandler has been roaring for that fight as well. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. Two of them, like it's not, it's the less riskiest fight in the in the top five. It's the less riskiest fight. Do you think the like, likes of well, well Poirier is out of the question? I think no uh, way. Uh, <laughs> Oliveira is uh, like Connor and Charles. I would love to see, but I don't think we'll ever yeah. get to see that, and certainly not going to see it no. in a tune-up capacity at all. No. Uh, no, no, no. He's he destroyed Connor. And then Justin Gaethje is the other one. Like Justin, Justin still, Gaethje. Justin is still knocking around there. He's he's third in the in the current rankings, mm. slightly ahead of Curtis Chandler Fall. Chandler falls in fifth. I, I do think that the next the next Chandler would be a good fight, but the next option would be Justin Gaethje because they're similar styles. Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. Uh, they Chandler and Chandler first, then Justin Gaethje. But I think that those two types, like we're talking about styles here. Yeah. Like if you go down the rankings a bit more again, I think the likes of Benil Dariush is a terrible fight for McGregor. They're like, that should not happen. Yeah. Because Benil is smart, he's crafty, he's big, he's good everywhere. Like Chandler and Gaethje, sometimes they have the Cody Garbrandt uh condition yeah where their egos get lured into bad decisions their egos just drift them into these moments of illogical decisions and mcgregor tried like he's never going to lose that mcgregor's never going to lose the somewhat really crisp distance management and straight lefts down the pipe and the big left head kicks yeah he's never going to lose that and i think that in chaotic environments he does super well like he's able to rise to the occasion if he his personal life isn't in complete chaos, which it usually is. Yeah. And I think that the likes of Chandler and Gaethje would just fall right into the trap. Okay. 
We've got to get onto the UFC's matchmaking side of things and get something like this to happen. But you're, you're, yeah, they're, they're, I, they're probably listening to our podcast, dude. I, I obviously, don't, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> I, think, I think that's, I think that's going to be the next. Um, I, I think, I think you're, I think you're right. I think if we're going to see something happen, it's, it's going to be that. But, and, and probably to finish it on on this note from McGregor, it's got to be, um, it's got to be a win. And if it's a win, oh, and yeah. if if it's a win against top five, then great. Now we've got something to play with. If not, then you've got. Uh, you know, a lot of questions that, that need to be answered fairly yeah. swiftish because yeah. that, that cash cow mm-hmm. starts to disappear very, very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, uh, and on, on quite a lengthy discussion off the back of UFC 280, uh, anything else that's catching your eye or anything that's coming up for this week? Uh, you know, you've, you've got a couple in uh, jiu-jitsu uh, action. Oh, yes. Over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. we haven't got yeah, uh, there's a good team competing up in Grapple Industries in Dublin. So looking forward to the team putting some effort, putting their performances on the line there. So I'm looking forward to being there with them and uh, enjoying the experience. So we good. Excellent. Okay. Well, he has been Miles Bryce over this way. Uh, I've been Ken McGuire. Uh, this has been All Things MMA and we'll do it all again next week. Good luck. Good luck.